Welcome to episode 109 of Special Situation Investing. One of the great things that comes from this podcast is the interaction with all of our listeners. Recently, one of you posted the following question regarding episode 106 and natural resource partners. Question, are you guys worried about the GP's call option to buy out the limited partner if it and its affiliates own 80% or more of the stock. If affiliates include the board of directors, then they're already near or past 80%. End question. I'll admit up front that this wasn't a risk we'd been thinking about. We like the economics of NRP's royalty model, along with its exposure to commodities, and had been focused on that side of the investment without considering the potential risk highlighted in this listener's question. That said, we appreciate the question and the deeper understanding of the company we gained from researching the following answer. First off, the call option. Perhaps the best place to begin answering the question posed to us is to explicitly state the terms of the general partner's call option as defined in NRP's 2022 annual report. According to the annual report, our general partner has a limited call right that may require unit holders to sell their units at an undesirable time or price. If at any time our general partner and its affiliates own 80% or more of the common units, the general partner will have the right, but not the obligation, which it may assign to any of its affiliates to acquire all, but not less than all, of the remaining common units held by unaffiliated persons at a price generally equal to the then current market price of the common units. As a result, unit holders may be required to sell their common units at a time when they may not desire to sell them or at a price that is well less than the price that they would have liked to receive. They may also incur a tax liability upon sale of their common units. End quote. The Affiliated Ownership So figuring out what percentage of natural resource partners, total common units are held by affiliates, is the logical first step in ascertaining the risk posed by the GP's call option. But I'll admit that finding the exact information took some real digging into the company's reports. This is because several entities are listed explicitly as affiliates, while others are implied affiliates, and because the direct common unit ownership of each entity is not listed clearly in any one part of the annual report. The Rosetta Stone that finally unlocked the hieroglyphics of NRP's insider ownership turned out to be right on the opening pages of the annual report, where it states that, quote, the aggregate market value of the common units held by non-affiliates of the registrant on June 30th, 2022, was $334 million, based on a closing price on that date of $37.23 per unit, as reported on the New York Stock Exchange. With that information, we can simply divide the non-affiliate market cap of NRP by the trading price on that date to determine the number of shares owned by non-affiliated entities. So the non-affiliated shares of the company added up to a market cap of $334 million. divide that by the share price on that day of $37.23, and you come up with 8,971,259 shares 
owned by non-affiliates and those entities. Next, we have to determine the percentage of shares outstanding owned by non-affiliates, and this can be accomplished by dividing the number of non-affiliate-owned shares by the total shares outstanding. So the non-affiliated shares are 8.9 million. You divide that by 12.6 million shares outstanding, and you get 71% of shares outstanding are owned by non-affiliates. Interestingly, the percentage of common units outstanding owned by non-affiliates has remained steady for at least the last several years, with the following exact numbers bearing that out. In 2021, 8.9 million shares were owned by non-affiliates out of 12.5 million shares outstanding, which indicates that 71% of the shares outstanding are owned by non-affiliates. In 2020, 8.9 million shares were owned by non-affiliates. 12.3 million shares were outstanding, which equaled 72% of shares outstanding were owned by non-affiliates. Next, we have to think about the general partner. Establishing the fact that affiliates control less than 29% of common units outstanding might lead us to believe that the 80% threshold is far from being met. But we must remember that both the general partner and the affiliates ownership must add up to 80% of common units outstanding. So who is the general partner and how do we determine their ownership? Revisiting NRP's 2022 annual report will further illuminate this question. Quote, our operations are conducted through OPCO and our operating assets are owned by our subsidiaries. NRP's GP limited partner, our general partner, has sole responsibility for conducting our business and for managing our operations. Because our general partner is limited partnership, its general partner, GP Natural Resource Partners, LLC, conducts its business and operations, and the board of directors and officers of GP Natural Resource Partners, LLC, make decisions on our behalf. And this is the key part. Robertson Coal Management LLC, a limited liability company wholly owned by Corbin J. Robertson Jr., owns all of the membership interest in GP Natural Resource Partners. Subject to the board representation and observation rights, agreement with certain entities controlled by the funds affiliated with Blackstone Inc., collectively referred to as Blackstone, and affiliates of Golden Tree Asset Management, collectively referred to as Golden Tree, Mr. Robertson Jr., is entitled to appoint the members of the board of directors of GP Natural Resource Partners and has delegated the right to appoint one director to Blackstone. The senior executives and other officers who manage NRP are employees of Western Pocahontas Properties Limited and Quintana Minerals Corporation, which are companies controlled by Mr. Robertson Jr. again. These officers allocate varying percentages of their time to managing our operations. Neither our general partner nor any of the affiliates receive any management fee or other compensation in connection with the management of our business, but they are entitled to be reimbursed for all direct and indirect expenses incurred on our behalf. So, according to the statement above, Mr. Robertson Jr., NRP's CEO and Chairman of the Board, fully controls the general partner, and by extension, his common unit ownership 
counts toward the 80% threshold required to activate the call option on non-affiliated units. The 2022 Annual Report's Security Ownership of Certain Beneficial Owners and Management Table shows that Mr. Robertson Jr. controls 20% of the common stock of NRP. If we add Mr. Robertson's total unit ownership to the affiliated ownership number, we see that his 20% common unit ownership combined with a 29% ownership by affiliates adds up to 49%, which, while significant, still falls short of the 80% threshold. Now we delve into limitations to NRP's common unit holder rights. Based on the information already presented, it doesn't appear that common unit holders are in any imminent danger of being called out by the GP, but NRP's common unit holders do have less representation and recourse through NRP than they would as shareholders of a typical public company. The NRP GP is entirely controlled by Mr. Robertson Jr. and his various related corporate entities. He unilaterally appoints board members and has the right to common unit holder shares under the parameters already discussed. Because Mr. Robertson Jr. has such an outsized impact on NRP's common unit holders, it's worth reviewing his track record to see if any insight can be gained into his management style and motivations. To do this, we've created an analysis of competing hypothesis chart, or ACH. We detailed the benefits of the ACH chart in episode 55, as part of our review of Richard J. Hoyer's book, The Psychology of Intelligence Analysis. AHC charts are beneficial tools that help intelligence analysts organize their thoughts about the likelihood of occurrences of unknowable future events. The ACH is essentially a matrix of known facts and possible outcomes arrayed on an XY axis. One axis of the ACH lists possible future outcomes and the other lists known facts that relate to the topic in question. At the intersection of any given fact and its potential outcome, the analyst places a plus if the fact supports that outcome and a negative or minus sign if it negates that outcome. Looking across the chart allows the practitioner to see at a glance which hypothesis is the least wrong. Looking for the least incorrect hypothesis is important, as a single piece of information can invalidate a hypothesis, where a million supporting facts can never fully prove that an outcome is certain. The ACH example from episode 55 investigates the then-unknown outcome of Cleveland Cliff's royalty dispute with Masabi Trust, and was useful in our decision to invest in Masabi Trust at that time. The ACH chart that we created for this episode, and podcast-only listeners will have to check the Substack page if they want to view it, is a relatively simple one. You could add more uh, variables into it if you liked. The two potential future outcomes are essentially that the GP could repurchase common units or exercise that call option, or the GP could not exercise the call option and let common unit holders continue to hold their investment, which would be a good thing if you're the person who bought the units and wants to see them appreciate and continue to pay a dividend. As far as facts we can observe, um, there are several listed. For starters, the GP's track record since 2015 is long-term unit holder oriented 
as demonstrated through non-dilutive cash redemption of warrants versus stock issuance to affiliates. In other words, since 2015, NRP's engaged in a massive debt buy-down. They've talked ad nauseum about their desire to pay down debt and enhance long-term shareholder value. And as they redeem the warrants, which are still outstanding to Blackstone and Golden Tree, the company has consistently opted to pay cash rather than dilute common unit holders and company insiders themselves with stock issuance. Our second of three reasons that we have is that Mr. Robertson Jr. is engaged in a highly public long-term campaign to develop the carbon capture industry in Texas, dealing unfavorably with NRP non-affiliated unit holders, which is all of us, undercuts his positive public relations efforts with lawmakers, industry leaders, and nonprofits. And as NRP's market cap increases, so too does the cost to repurchase 20% of non-affiliated shares making such an action less appealing against other uses of a capital. So again, the matrix we came up with is relatively simple. If you want to view it, just feel free to hop on over to the Substack and take a look. Um, but when you do look at a glance, the overwhelming evidence is that the general partner, which is controlled by Mr. Robertson Jr., is unlikely to call uh, the 20% remaining of common unit shares, or essentially call your investment away from you when you don't want him to do it. Um, It looks like that's an unlikely scenario, even if and when the uh, affiliates and the general partner, which is Mr. Robertson, reach 80% ownership of the common units. All right. Based on the above ACH, it appears unlikely that Mr. Robertson Jr., as the GP, will force the affiliated shareholders to call the shares of non-affiliated shareholders even if they have met the 80% ownership threshold required to exercise the option. This is, of course, no guarantee, as the future can never be known in advance. But it should serve as a useful guide to investors calculating the probability of their investment being called away at the worst possible time. Additionally, even if the GP intends to exercise his call option on non-affiliated shares, non-affiliated unit holders can track the slow rise in the GP, and affiliate ownership of common units over time, and they can exit their investment prior to the 80% threshold being met if that's what they choose to do. As a related aside, the following link, which again, audio-only listeners will have to hop over to the Substack to see, will take you to an interview with Mr. Robertson, which is useful for understanding his objectives for NRP as a company and the future of the carbon capture industry. Uh, It's not a very long interview, um, but it's insightful to see what the CEO is thinking and some of his thoughts on the future of the carbon capture industry and some of the hurdles and roadblocks that that it faces. Highly recommend that link. All right, in conclusion, once again, we can't say enough how much we benefit from the thoughtful engagement of our audience. Answering this single question about NRP's corporate risks led us to a much deeper understanding of the investment and forced us to examine our own blind spots, which is what the investing game is all about. We truly hope that you're gaining as much insight from our shared research as we're gaining from your engagement with us, and we look forward to our next episode of the podcast. On that note, 
I'd like to let you know that we won't be putting out a show on Saturday, December 30th, but instead we'll be spending time with family and friends and reflecting on the year to come. We hope that you too will take some time to reflect this holiday season and that you'll come back refreshed and ready to invest in 2024. Thanks again, and we'll see you again on Saturday, January 6th. Have a great holiday week.